Hello, everyone. I'm Harvey Brownstone. And if you're a fan of our show, you'll know that our Gone But Not Forgotten series is one of the most popular features of our program. We shine a light on the most beloved and iconic entertainers in the history of show business. Today's show is all about one of the most hardworking, versatile and respected legends in cinematic history, Barbara Stanwyck. In her 64-year career, she made 95 films, including Double Indemnity, The Lady Eve, Golden Boy, and Meet John Doe. She was nominated for four Academy Awards and won an honorary Oscar. And she starred in four television series and won three Emmy Awards. Our guest considers himself Miss Stanwyck's oldest living fan. He fell in love with her in 1946 when he first saw her on the silver screen and he started corresponding with her at the age of 21. He administers the Facebook page, Barbara Stanwyck, Queen of Hollywood. I'm delighted to welcome Ray Johnson to our show. Ray, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's great to be here, Harvey. It's like a dream come true. I can't believe it. <laughs> Ray, can you tell us what it was about Barbara Stanwyck that captivated you so? Well, I was nine years old. And I can remember it was at the Mayfair Tooting, Mayfair Cinema Tooting, which my mother must have taken me to because we lived in South London. And I remember the opening scene. It, it's a darkened bedroom and you just see these eyes staring. And it's Barbara as a young widow, her husband. She wakes up the morning after her husband's funeral and she's got two young sons and she thinks that's the end of her life. And at nine years old, it just got me. And I felt like she was acting for me personally it was very I always had a, a, an affinity with her you know that it was a very a, a close bond that's the only way I can describe it not like anyone else Barbara's early years were very difficult she was orphaned at the age of four and as a young teenager she was a chorus girl in speakeasies before getting into the Ziegfeld Follies mm -hmm. she often played tough hard-edged women on the screen do you think she drew from her early life experiences to create that screen persona? Oh, yes, definitely. Yes. I, th I think these, most of them have had a hard beginning. And I think she really did draw on that, I'm sure. And that's what made her so believable. Because she understood these downtrodden women, which she seemed to play a lot in the early 30s, especially. I find it so interesting that she had that tough image in so many movies, but anyone who ever worked with her said she was the kindest, most yeah. considerate and most beloved star in Hollywood. The actors, directors and crew absolutely adored her, didn't yeah. they? Mm -hmm. Well, it was quite common for actors to give crew presents, but unheard of for the crew to gift the stars. But they did time after time to the Queen Bee from the Hood her drones, things like that, after so many films, because she knew, knew them all by first name. She knew their families and their history and everything. You actually got to meet her at the Lincoln Center Tribute in 1981. Can you tell us about that, Ray? <laughs> it was unbelievable. It was a dream come true. I'd flown out just for the weekend, just for the fact that I, I would see her in the flesh. So we, we first of all, they showed the films on, on, on the screen. And then we went over to the reception afterwards, you see, in the Avery Fisher Hall. And um, she was surrounded by, she was cordoned off, as it were. And there were security guards all around. And I just said to this security guard, I've flown all the way from London. I just want to say hello. <laughs> he let me through. I couldn't believe it. And there I am standing in front of her. And I said, Miss Stanwyck, 
it's wonderful to meet you. I've come all the way from London. And she sort of looked at me and she said, oh, you're the one. <laughs> now, I don't know whether it's because the organisers had told her that a, a fan was coming all the way from London or whether she realised that this demented fan who had been bombarding her with fan letters for the past 35 years had finally caught up with her. Anyway, I asked her if she could, I could take a photograph. She said, fine. Then she says, aren't you a bit close? I said, I can't believe it. I said, no, I said, I'm fine. Of course, I was a bit too close. She knew all about camera angles and everything. Anyway, I, I went to say goodbye. And she said, how, how, is that simple to work? I said, yeah, sure. She said, she got up, she put her arm around me and she said, well, I think you come all this way, then we should have one done together. I mean, she didn't have to do that. That, that just shows the sort of lady she was. It's amazing uh, that you had that experience. And I'm thinking as you're telling me this, if it were today, you would never have been allowed through that. You got through that. No, 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 it was amazing. And she just showed how she knew how much it would mean to me because that's what the old stars were like. So many of them, you know, that's what they, their fans kept them going. Barbara's nickname was Missy. Do you know where Mm -hmm. that came from? Yes, it was her maid. Harriet, Harriet, her name was. And she said she moved so fast, Barbara, she could never get out Miss Stanwick. So eventually went Miss, Miss, and then eventually Missy. <laughs> so that's how, that's how that happened. She was also known as Stanny and the Queen. Two people called her the Queen, Bob, uh, Bob Taylor, her husband, and Bill Holden. Barbara Stanwyck had a reputation in Hollywood for being the consummate professional. She mm. was on time. She knew her lines and she had no ego and she was incredibly versatile in terms of the kinds of roles that she could play, wasn't she? Oh, yes. And I just wish she'd done more comedy because I I love the dramas. The comedies for me are even better. She has such a wonderful light touch and it seems so effortless. It was, well, you know, just by looking at the Lady Eve. Do you know whether she had a preference as between comedies and drama? Because she did do a lot of dramas and melodramas. She preferred dramas, and of course she loved westerns. But I've got a a, a taped interview she did on on a British radio program in 1964, in which she insisted she wasn't a comedian. She said, in situation comedy, it's all right, but I'm not like Henry Fonda. And of course she always says, who was a wonderful comedian. She's always ready to praise someone else and always ready to sort of put herself down, you know. But to me, she was a great comedian and I wish she had done more. I really do. Do you think she understood how really talented and beloved she was? I tell you, I don't think she did until that night at the Lincoln Centre when she walked on the stage and the audience went crazy. They were stamping their feet and she sort of, she stood there and she sort of put her hands up to her face as to say, I don't believe this. Because she always said it'd be like Stella Dallas's daughter's birthday party where no one turns up. (laughs) She only went really because Bill Holden said he'd go with her. You know, he escorted her there. And I've actually found a letter she wrote to him, thanking him, she said, for getting her through the evening. Any public appearance was an ordeal. She just didn't like it. She was only happy when she was playing someone else. But as herself, she felt very, very uncomfortable. I I often wonder whether if she were still alive and in good health, would she ever have agreed to an interview like the interview you and I are having now? Well, it happened to Hepburn later in life, didn't it? It was also very private. And then later in life, she was giving interviews to everyone and going on Dick Cavat's show. So who knows? But she always said, oh, who, who's interested? You see, she was all putting herself down. 
I don't think she thought she was anything special, which is why she would never go on chat shows because she said, who's interested? Unless I'm doing a film. No. Funnily enough, she did. She went on too on the Merv Griffin show and the Joey Bishop show, but only to, to be presented with the Photoplay Favourite Actress Award. And neither of them are on YouTube, would you believe? So, never, yes, we'll never I noticed do. that when I did my research, there's very little in the way of interviews with her. There's a famous story about Barbara when she starred in 40 Guns and performed an extremely difficult mm -hmm. stunt. Her mm. character had to fall off a horse, and with her foot caught in the stirrup, she had to be dragged by a galloping horse. That's right. This stunt was so dangerous that the professional stunt woman refused to do it. So yeah. Barbara did it herself. She was 50 years old at the time. That's right. She ended up being named an honorary member of the Hollywood Stuntmen's Hall of Fame. That's right. Now that's quite an achievement, isn't it? Yes, it is. She was also an honorary Blackfoot Indian, Princess Many Victories III, because they were so impressed with that she did her own stunts in Cattle Queen of Montana. Her professionalism so they, yeah. was legendary. Yes, and if anyone was five minutes late on back on the set, well, you know what she said. I, I saw the Joel McRae grandson interview and how she really laid into him. When, on, well, obviously, they became good friends later, but in his first job with her, Gambling Lady, he was five minutes late back and she just went mad. She said... It, it was you owed it to your crew you see and that's the way she was it was all down to being professional who was her favorite leading man do you think she wouldn't say one she listed joe mccray henry fonda walter houston of course who was that was his last film the, you know the furies but she, she i don't think she, she got on with all of them what about william holden oh well of course her golden boy and as I said, I found a letter and she even writes to him, dear golden boy. That's how she called, that's how she referred to it. And you, you remember the speech she had when she got an honorary Oscar, don't you? Absolutely. Remember? Yeah. Well, who do you think was her favorite director? Bill Wellman. She was very fond of Bill Wellman, which surprised me when she turned down High and the Mighty. And he was very upset because she was always his pet. I know because he told me when I, I met him at the National Film Theatre. But Bill, well, of course, Billy Wilder, she said in her AFI award to Billy Wilder, who taught me how to kill, remember that? <laughs> and Preston Sturges, of course, who, when they were doing Remember the Night, he said, you're funny, I'm going to write a comedy for, for you. And she said, yeah, no one thinks I'm funny. And then what happened? He wrote The Lady Eve. And what a hit that was. Ah, uh, my favourite film of all time. Yes, your favorite movie is The Lady Eve, uh, and I think your second yeah. favorite is The Other Love. Yes, it is. Well, that was the second film I, I saw her in, because she came a year after I first saw My Reputation, she came over to London for the premiere of The Other Love at the Empire Leicester Square. And I, I, obviously I was taken to see it, and that was the film that did it for me. Do you think that she had a favorite film of all the movies she made? Yes, and um, Stella Dallas was a great favorite but she always did mention the, my reputation and she said it, it broke her heart that the great man's lady wasn't a success she loved that because you know was well, she aged from 16 to 112 that was quite something i'm yeah. so happy to hear you say that you her favorite movie was stella dallas because mm. that was my favorite movie mm. followed by the lady gambles really the lady gambles is very underrated in fact i thought that was more oscar worthy than sorry wrong number I, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, didn't you agree? Do you think so? Absolutely. I yeah. do. 
Wonderful. Do you have a least favourite Barbara Stanwyck film? Yes, I do. The Play on the Stars. Oh, dear. Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen that one. Dreadful. It really is one of the worst films I've ever seen. Directed by John Ford. I, I would never watch it again. So, you see, I can be quite critical. I don't love everything. You know, some people, they love everything their stars do. No, the play on the stars and that terrible Irish accent. I couldn't sit through that again. There's not hasn't got one saving grace. It's bad and boring. Barbara Most Stanwyck was nominated for a Best Actress Academy Award four times for mm -hmm. Stella Dallas, Ball of Fire, Double yeah. Indemnity, and Sorry, Wrong Number. Mm -hmm. But she never won an Oscar until she got the honorary Oscar in 1982. Why mm -hmm. do you think she was so underrated and underappreciated as an actress? Well, a producer, Moss Hart, said to her, you will never win an Oscar because you make it look too easy. And this is why her films stand up so well. They're not dated. She's so modern. Plus the fact, like Cary Grant, she freelanced, which means she had no studio behind her. So when Oscar time comes around, the studio is naturally going to back one of their contact stars, aren't they? As they did with Louise Rayner in The Good Earth, when Barbara was up for Stella Dallas, you see. And uh, as much as I love Joan Fontaine, one of my favourite actresses, I think the Oscar for Suspicion was a consolation prize because she didn't win for Rebecca. Often happens, you know that. And Barbara should have won that year. But then she got nominated for Ball of Fire, which is a great film. But I thought it should, she should have been nominated for The Lady Eve that year. But of course, you know, 1941 was her best year. Yes. Four films, three of them big hits. When Barbara got her honorary Oscar in 1982, she paid tribute to her longtime friend, William Holden, who co-starred yes. with her in Golden Boy, and he credited her for saving his career, didn't yeah. he? Yes, he did. He made a beautiful speech at the 1978 Academy Awards. They were, they were presenting the Best Sound Award to Star Wars, and he broke off from it to say, before, before Barbara and I present the award, I'd like to pay tribute to her. And he said, if it wasn't for this beautiful lady here, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here tonight. What do you she, think he meant when he said that she saved his career? Well, because they were going to sack him. They, 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 Columbia weren't, didn't think he was doing a good job. She said, look, he's learning to box. He's learning to play the, to play the violin. And as well as the performance, she said, give him a chance. And she just backed him all the way. And at that time, she, had, she was a big enough star that they listened to her. And that is why he sent her two dozen roses on the anniversary of the day they started Golden Boy. Every year? Every year to the day he died, yeah. A dozen, two dozen yellow roses. Barbara was married twice to Frank Fay and Robert Taylor. Both mm. marriages ended in divorce. Do you know if there was one man who was the great love of her life? Oh, Robert Taylor. I do believe that. Did you ever read Robert Wagner's book, Pieces of My Heart? Yes, I did. And while I believe that they did have a brief affair, I don't think it would have lasted for four years. In those days when you had those two powerful columnists, Hedda Hopper and Luella Parsons, they wouldn't have got away with, with an illicit affair for four years. They, they, you know, they knew everything that was going on. I think they had a brief romance. It was good, good for her ego. A 45-year-old woman and a 23-year-old guy. It, it did her the world of good after she'd been dumped by Bob Taylor. So I, th I think they did have a brief fling, but I don't think it went on for four years. But I saw him in the National Film Theatre and he did speak very well of her.
he really did. He said how much it helped him. And they were great in their scenes together in Titanic. I'm sure you'd agree. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Barbara mm. and her husband, Frank Fay, adopted a son, Tony, in 1932. He passed away in 2006. Mm. I've read that her relationship with her son after he became an adult was not good. Do you know anything about that, Ray? Yes, I do. Unfortunately, I don't think... I'm surprised that her and Faye were allowed to adopt a child because the marriage was already dodgy, you know. And um, plus the fact she'd never known a mother. She didn't know how to be maternal. And she sent him off to military school when he was six years old, which is really tough, I think. As much as I will always defend her, I don't understand that. If you're going to adopt a child... She fell in love with Dickie Moore, her little boy, in So Big, and she wanted one like Dickie Moore. Unfortunately, Dion didn't turn out to, to be like Dickie Moore. She wanted him to take advantage of the education she could pay for, but he wasn't bothered. He was just an ordinary kid. And he, he said in an interview, he maybe he should have done. So I'm afraid she just blacked him out of her life. He at one time was considering writing a book similar to the book that Joan Crawford's daughter yeah, wrote, yeah. Mommy Dearest, yeah. but he never did it. And no. I'm glad I, that Barbara Stanwyck never yeah. had to see a book about yeah. her that would be yeah. so painful. Yeah. But they all did it. Betty Davis's daughter did it. And she seemed to have been a very good mother to her. So there you go. Yes. Well, if you see the interview on my show with Catherine Cermak, about Betty Davis. I watched it. I saw it. I think yeah. that people can judge for themselves whether yeah. what Betty Davis's daughter wrote is true. I happen to believe very strongly in what Catherine Cermak had to yeah, say. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. I'm just thinking to myself, I wonder what she would have thought of the current celebrity era, the culture now with social media and all the accessibility that stars have with their fans. Well, it would have been a nightmare to her. But there was a very, she did do a chat thing um, called Portrait. I don't know whether you ever saw it. No. It was filmed on the set of The Big Valley where she talked about her career and everything. And I bought that from Joe Lauderdale, 16 millimeter, and had it converted onto tape and then DVD. Well, now that you mentioned Joe Lauderdale, he was the other very well-known big fan of Barbara's. I understand you met him a few times and you got to see his collection he of memorabilia. <laughs> He phoned me out of the blue from Indiana and said, would you come and visit me? <laughs> and when I, because at that time, I'd only seen half of her films, you should see, and I thought, well, why not? So, yeah, I enjoyed it so much. I went twice in 84 and 86. And it was wonderful. The whole top of his house was like a Barbara museum. And as I say, he had these things on films on 16 millimeter, and he had copies of her first TV show, and that is why we now have that TV show on DVD, because Barbara wrote to him and asked him if she, he could send her agent copies. Did you ever find out what happened to his collection when he passed away? Somehow he'd lost interest after Barbara died, and he sold it to a guy in um, somewhere in California. That's all I know. Tell us about your collection, Ray. It's all on one disc now. <laughs> I started in 1948, cut a picture out of the local paper, stuck it in a scrapbook, and that was it. It now on disc. It now totals over twenty-two thousand. Those so are twenty-two thousand photographs. Yeah, yeah. Plus, you have all of her movies. 
all of them, except the first one, the silent one, Broadway Nights, which no one's got. And there's one TV, half-hour TV show I'm missing with Lloyd Bridges. So Is what's that- going to happen to your collection when you're gone? Oh, I've said, tell my friends, just come in and help yourself and put it on eBay. I don't mind when I'm gone, I'm gone. <laughs> Are there any books about Barbara Stanwyck that you would recommend to our viewers who might want to learn more about her? The films of Barbara Stanwyck, can you see that? You just have to raise it a little higher. There it is. The films, the films of Barbara, Barbara Stanwyck. Homer Dickens. Right? And starring Barbara Stanwyck by Ella Smith. Yes, and Barbara actually wrote it on the back, if I can read it. Right, here it is. Ella, this is a work on your part that I view with awe, respect and admiration. You have done for me what my humble effort in films could never do. For those who will be interested, you have given proof that I was here and my work, good or bad, existed. Imagine, Ray, that she felt a book was necessary to prove that she and her work existed. The films on their own were proof that she existed. And I tell you something, Harvey, I think her reputation has grown in the 31 years since her death. So many members of my group weren't even born when she was alive. And they're discovering all the time because she, she's never on TV, in England anyway. She's always on. Well, I have to tell you that I agree with you because... I have received more requests from fans of our show to do a show about Barbara Stanwyck than any other celebrity. Well, that is great. Well, I hope they hope they like this one anyway. Barbara Stanwyck died in 1990 at the age of 82. Her ashes were scattered from a helicopter over Lone Pine, California, where she shot some of her westerns. Does it make you sad that there's no grave we can visit? No, because th- I understand that completely. She didn't want the fast, didn't want a typical Hollywood funeral. She always wanted to be, of course, Bill Holden did exactly the same. So she was just a very private person right to the end. And I, I, think, I think it's rather nice, rather if, unique. If you could have sat down with Barbara Stanwyck and had a real conversation with her, what would you have said to her, Ray? I would have said to her, why were you so frightened of going back on stage? Because she... So many people, when they're actresses, when their careers started to fade, they went back on Broadway. Rosalind Russell, she completely resurrected her career, didn't she? With a Wonderful Town and Auntie Maine. And she could think she could have done. I always could see her as Regina, Regina Giddens in The Little Foxes. She could have done that on stage. And she said she was always getting offers, but she was too scared. And I never understood it. I really never did. And also, why didn't you ever come to England and make a film? <laughs> well, she did come to England once to promote a film. Yes. And I, I don't know whether I, I mentioned this before. This time, 71 years ago, she was in Rome. She went to fly out to see Bob because she'd heard rumours about him. She was supposed to come to London to make another man's poison. But, of course, then she found out what was going on and she phoned the producer and said, I can't do it. I'm going home to sort out a divorce. So Betty Davis did Another Man's Poison. It didn't do a lot for her, but I'd still love Barbara to have done it. You have corresponded with Barbara Stanwyck many times, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Can you share with us some of the things she said to you in her letters? Dear Mr. Johnson, thank you for your very kind letter. The article you wrote 
you read was unauthorized. This is about an article which said, I'm, an, I'm a Hollywood has been. You know the type, the National Enquirer. I've never met the writer, never given the interview. The article is one of the most concocted I ever read, but I have it to thank for many, many warm and welcome letters such as yours. And I deeply appreciate each and every one of them and the loyal friendliness which inspired you to write. May God bless you and yours sincerely, Barbara Stanley. Can you hold that up, Ray, so we can see it? Well, I have to tell you, she also put, I've, I've autographed my favourites of your, your drawings. Thanks for letting me see them. I did these terrible drawings and she, she actually signed them. I couldn't believe it. I, I should have, I would have tried hard if I'd known. Oh, so the letter was typed and then she signed she it. wrote that underneath. Can you raise the, it up just a little higher? Yeah. There we go. She's written on the bottom the note about autographing your yeah. drawings. Yeah. Lovely. Lovely. She must have so appreciated you. <laughs> that, that, this is about the best of the worst. They're not good, but anyway. You see, she signed that as well. Well, that's a very it's, good drawing. You think? Yes. Oh, good. Oh, yes. I think if you did a drawing of me that was that good, I would sign it. <laughs> Ray, before our interview comes to an end, yeah. I just have to mention to our viewers that you are a world-famous marathon runner. I Googled oh, I'm not world-famous, Harvey, no. You are. <laughs> I Googled you, and I was astounded at all of the medals you've won. How many have you won as of today? At the moment, it's um, 78. Next week, I'll have 79. I'm doing Mount Ephraim locally, local run. Can I be indiscreet enough to ask you your age? 84. I started running when I was 69. <laughs> you are such an inspiration. I'm so impressed with the shape that you're in. <laughs> well, and it's very kind of you. It's been wonderful having this chat with you about the legendary Barbara Stanwyck. Thank you for all you do to preserve her memory and legacy for your Facebook page. And thank you for taking the time to appear on our show. Well, it's been a joy, Harvey. I'm, I'm really, I'm so pleased. This to me, it's, it's a sort of a legacy I can leave for my friends and family that they'll be able to watch when I'm gone. <laughs> well, I don't think you'll be gone anytime soon because you're <laughs> running too fast for anything to catch up with you. <laughs> oh, thank our, you, Harvey. Our guest has been Ray Johnson, the world's leading Barbara Stanwyck fan. My name is Harvey Brownstone. Thank you to our producer, Steve Silver. Thank you all for joining us. See you next time. Remember to subscribe to the Harvey Brownstone Interviews YouTube channel. Be sure to check out more interviews by Harvey Brownstone on this podcast channel.